The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. If you could see what I once was If you could go with me Back to where I started from Then I know you would see A miracle of love I'm going to read, um, I think I'll just read for you a verse and then I'll go back to James. Who is like, who is a God like unto thee, that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever, because he delighteth in mercy. <clears throat> Micah, chapter 7, verse 18. He delighteth in mercy is the key thing. Now, wait a minute. When God says, I delight in something, it's like your man, man. It's like your wife saying, I delight in something. When your wife says she delights in something, you need to go, if it's, if it's legal and moral, you need to go do it. I wanted to put a caveat on that. Not just anything she would maybe delight, but I'm hopefully it would be right, good stuff. But your ears should be open to when somebody says, ooh, that's something I really delight in. Ooh, your ears should be open to that because they've just told you something. That uh, you, you have a way now of, of man, I like to be, make people happy. Amen. I know you have a hard time believing that. I like to make people happy. I really enjoy seeing people smile. I enjoy seeing people rejoice. I enjoy hearing people uh, on the top side of, of even a hard situation. They can say, man, trust in God and really have joy in the Lord. We had a little, we had a couple of interviews. And in our first interview with uh, uh, the, the widow of R.K. Young, Charlotte, we about had us a spell in there. I wanted to run around that little room a couple of times, but. Uh, it's a beautiful thing to have joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. When I first read James chapter 2, verse 13, I, and I read it many times before it read me. In other words, you can read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible. Many of you testified to me about this. You'll read the Bible how many times, read over a passage, how many times, all of a sudden, boom! You come across a verse, that thing just bold speaks to you. Stop right there. You stop. That's what this verse has done to me. In chapter 2, verse 13. For he shall have judgment without mercy that showeth no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth, rejoiceth against judgment. 
You just heard in Micah 7, 18 that God delights in mercy. And how many would say amen to that? Who will have the harshest judgment? Who will have the harshest judgment? Um, good question. Is it the child molester that gets the harshest judgment? I mean, that's an awful crime. I mean, when a child's entrusted to an adult in any, in any category, whether it be a teacher entrusted in a child to an adult or a parent to an adult, or whatever category, but when, when somehow you're entrusted to a child and you violate that trust and use your position and use your authority to do something evil to that child, there's just something heinous about that whole thing. Well, they receive the worst judgment. A child abuser, rapist, cold-blooded murderer, wife beater, pedophile, hooker, homosexual, pimp, crooked politician. There'll be a bunch of those. Abortion doctors. Boy, here, a profession sworn do no harm. Aborting babies. I know I've had three or four doctors. They're born again. That said uh, flat out. The one doctor that did my eardrum transplant, he had to. He had. He told me he had to operate on, on cadavers for ten years before they let him do a live person. I was not his first. I wouldn't have wanted to be the guy's first, but they kept me awake during this. I remember when they gave me the shots. They took a knife and cut right behind my ear. Took the ear off forward. Reamed out all the skin around the bone canal, around that canal. Took all the skin out with a sharp spoon-looking instrument. And then they got to the eardrum. To get to the eardrum, however, you, because you don't may not know this, but you came tonight, so I'm going to give you this information. The eardrum's inside your skull. I didn't know that. I thought the eardrum was outside my skull. He said, no, no, we have to drill the bone away to get to the eardrum. I said, wow, that'll be interesting. I'm awake. They got my head tied down. I'm awake because you have to do the surgery awake. Because there's so many nerves come up through this area here. Facial nerves, tongue nerves, no, you know. And we cut that nerve. He said, you'll never have feeling in that side of your face. You may never taste in that side of your tongue. There's a lot of risk to it. And uh, one out of ten, one out of ten, you're stone deaf. And so when he was doing the surgery, I could hear, and you might have you had your teeth drilled on and like I've had my teeth drilled if I had my teeth drilled on. But anyway, and I said, man, I hope you don't go too far, Doc. I mean, I'm talking to the guys. He's doing it. And, you know, uh, they do all that surgery on you and, and go to all that time and go to all that work and effort to, to do this, to do this. Imagine a doctor. I've had born-again people. He was a born-again guy. By the way, highly talented doc taught, teaches now in university. But... He said abortion is murder. He said abortion is murder. My ear, nose, and throat guy, Dr. James Fuller, he's about 70 now towards the end of his work, and he's a great guy, loves the Lord. Uh, the only thing bad about him, he's a Presbyterian. But even Presbyterians will be in heaven, amen? If this guy's born again, he's Presbyterian, and, and he's upset with the Presbyterians. <laughs> He's upset they don't baptize like they ought to. He's upset they don't evangelize like they ought to. He's, and I said, well, then just join us. You won't have to be upset. Brand loyal, you know. 
But he had Bible studies, went to, uh, he's gone all over the world on missions trips and cares about the lost. And uh, he said abortion is murder. Dr. Crabb, educated, smart guy, he understands it. In other words, people that want to, so is the abortion doctor some of the worst person, some of the worst people you've ever met? Are they going to get the harshest judgments? Christ deniers, the atheists, the folks who deny and believe Christ was a liar, are they going to get the ones? All these may, all these sins I mentioned here, may receive mercy. If they repent and by faith trust Christ as their Savior, they may be forgiven. As bad as these things are, and they are heinous, yet they will be forgiven if they repent. Except for one group that James says will receive the harshest punishment possible for any crime they commit, and that's the group, you guessed it, that shows no mercy. That shows no mercy. For he shall have judgment without mercy. Now that ought to send chills down your spine. That ought to scare you, that verse. Because it's meant to impact us. I'll tell you what helped me. There's a phenomenon that happens to a, a, a new Christian. You get, your, you, get born, you get born from above. You start getting in the Bible. You're hungry for the things of righteousness. You read the Bible. You digest it. You soak it in. And what happens, you get a little bit of knowledge. And you know there's a danger with a little knowledge. Because knowledge puffs up. And what happens is you can become critical and self-righteous. One of the first areas that the devil attacks a born-again Christian, a newborn-again Christian, is to make himself. Here you got an old sinner that's bad, all his sins forgiven, and, and, and put in the deepest sea behind the back of God to be remembered no more. And he or she gets self-righteous. You'll notice it's a sin that Jesus condemned the harshest in the New Testament. is Matthew chapter 23. Where he says, whoa, and he calls these people serpents. He calls them whitewashed sepulchers, and that's not a compliment. He said they're full of dead men's bones. On the outside they look so good, but they're full of dead men's bones and corruption and every kind of impurity. What is that? What was their sin? Well, it was hypocrisy and covetousness, which eventually interprets itself into self-righteousness. And boy, he lets it loose. I mean, he preaches an old hellfire damnation sermon. And all the preachers I've ever heard, I never heard a preacher preach any harder than Jesus Christ himself. The one who loved us and gave himself for us. So being merciful does not mean you don't take a stand against sin. Being merciful does not mean you don't call, you don't call a spade a spade. But being merciful is that you remember the mercy you've received, and if somebody repents, you show them mercy like crazy. You show them mercy like crazy. In fact, you need to be known for showing mercy, and so do I. We should never forget that God delights in mercy. Micah 7.18. The word mercy appears, I did a little research, the word mercy appears some 276 times in the Bible. That's a lot anywhere. If your wife told you she loved you 276 times, that'd be a lot. I don't care where it was printed. That'd just be a lot. I tell my wife I love her way more than that. 
in one year. I should do a little calculating on this one time or another. But I tell my wife I love her at least two or three times a day. And at times, you know, 365 days, that's almost a thousand times a year. But telling her that's not going to help her if you don't show her, amen? If you step over the old dirty clothes and go sit in your little recliner while she works like a dog, ah, that words get pretty hollow. The word mercy, some 59 times in the New Testament, 27 times just in Paul's epistles, 11 times in other epistles, 21 times in the four Gospels. The word mercy seat, which appears 26 times in the Old Testament, a place where the blood, of course, on the Ark of the Covenant was the mercy seat where the blood was sprinkled once a year for the sins of the children of Israel, the people of God and the priests, on the Day of Atonement. God wants to have mercy on everyone. I hope you, I hope you haven't been perverted or I have, I'm not trying to be mean. I hope you have not been poisoned. By Calvinism. I hope you haven't. The problem with Calvinism is fatalism. The problem with Calvinism, it maligns the God of the Bible. And there's great books, by the way. There wasn't great books till just recently. But in the last 10 years or so, there's been two great books that have What Love Is This is one of them everybody should read, What Love Is This. If you're a Calvinist here, you've been taught that way your whole life, and you're, you're in a dyed in the wool, God bless you, I love you. But I'm telling you, you need to look at it again. Read the book, What Kind of Love, What Love Is This? What Love Is This? And, and uh, you know, uh, God wants to have mercy on everyone. To put a finger on God and say, you chose before the foundation of the world, a group of people were to be saved and, and live with you, and the rest of them are going to be damned to hell, and you chose one to do one and one to do the other, is, is the worst kind of mean spirit, and it maligns God. What a mockery this whole thing is when he says, whosoever will may come. If God doesn't really mean it. If my wife says she loves me but doesn't really mean it, what kind of person is she? But that's what the Calvinist says God is. He says when he says all, he just means all the elect. He just says when he loves you, he just loves the elect. But the Bible doesn't support that. Understand it. The Bible does not support that view. It does not support it. Romans 11.32 says, For God hath concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. Now, if he's not going to have mercy upon all, that's, a, that's mockery. Uh, 2 Peter 3.9 quoted over and over, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. No qualification that he's just talking about the elect or the church. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4 says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved. How many? That's what you got it. And to come into the knowledge of the truth. Now God's not, listen, he, God is a word smith. He is a master of language and communication. He invented every type of communication, including the songbird in the morning. And so he don't have a trouble to communicate it whatsoever. And when he meant all, he meant all. If he would have wanted to put a, some sort of qualification on that, he could have. Amen? Could he have not put anything he wanted in the Bible? 
Of course, in Micah says, who is, like unto, who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity, passed by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever. And I say, glory to God, hallelujah on that. Why? Because he delighteth. He delighteth in mercy. The process is God wants all to be saved, but none deserve or merit salvation. But God wants everybody to be saved. So he sends his son, is only begotten, uniquely begotten, never begotten. No one else has been like Jesus. Nobody. God manifests himself in the very flesh of man. 100% man, 100% God walked on earth some 32 years, 33 years. For one purpose, and that was to be crucified by the hands of evil and wicked men. Falsely accused, falsely crucified as a criminal, but between two thieves... On that cross, scourged almost to the point of death. He would have probably died had he not been God. And he said, no man takes my life from me, but I lay it down. They couldn't kill him. He had the ability to, with one word to call 10,000 angels, which were watching their creator be mistreated like that. Scratching their head, maybe. Why would he let that happen? He was doing it the whole time, though you know and you read in the Garden of Gethsemane his suffering and how he, he sweat as it drops, as it were, of blood because of his agony of the thought of becoming sin, the thought of being somehow supernaturally and mysteriously parted from the Father as the Father cannot look upon sin. And he said to the place where he cried, Eloi, Eloi, lava sabachthani. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? We do not understand the full depth of the sufferings of Christ. Could not. But I can tell you, He did. Suffer and die for you and for me. Why? He loved you. He loved you. And He wants you to be saved. You know, the devil wants to malign God every way you turn. Every way you turn, the devil maligns God. It says He's mean-spirited. It says He holds His anger forever. It says once, he, once you get on His blacklist, you're outside looking in. God, He tries to malign God in every way you can malign Him. That's why you and I need to inundate ourselves with God's Word to offset the lies. Offset the lies against God. The devil has started with his accusations from very garden with Eve saying God wasn't good, God didn't mean good for her, God was, was somehow shorting her, he was, he was not letting her experience the fullness of the whole thing. God wants you to be saved. He paid the price, satisfied His justice. He saved the sinner and yet remained righteous. Wow. He saved the sinner yet remained righteous. Didn't compromise himself any at Calvary. In resurrecting Jesus Christ, he put his seal on Jesus Christ. I've accepted testi. it is finished. The document's been stamped, paid in full. My salvation, earned by Christ, has been paid in full. And now he offers us a free gift. Why? It's too expensive for us to earn. The, 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 ludic the lunacy of trying to work your way in favor with God. When Jesus said, be thou perfect, even as my Father in heaven is perfect. How many here are perfect? Raise your hand. If you raise your hand, you just lied. 
Not everybody in this room has committed the same sins, but I'll guarantee you, you all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I'll guarantee you your works before God are as putrid rags. And any time you try to lift your good deeds to God and say, look at me, somehow I merit your favor, it, it nauseates him. He says, I'd rather have you hot or cold. He said, because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth to the church in Revelation there. Good works, not the works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration, renewing of the Holy Ghost. Galatians 2.16 says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Romans 4.5 says, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, For for grace you save through faith, that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works. Not of what? Folks, when you go door to door, or when you talk to people out here, the first thing they go to when you tell them, do you believe you're going to go to heaven? And if they say yes, about 90%, I find, believe they're going to heaven somewhere or another. The ones who do say they're going, I ask them, why would you go? They go immediately to works. I'm a member of such and such church. Well, I hope you don't go to heaven. Or excuse me. I hope you don't go to the great white throne judgment and say, I believe you ought to let me in heaven because I'm a member or associated with or a friend of Gospel Baptist Church. That isn't going to help you. That's not going to help you. In fact, it may hurt you, to be honest with you. Half our people been in jail, the other half going. You receive salvation as a gift, and when you receive such a great gift, what does that do to you? It humbles you. Humbles you. That he would love me so. It humbles me. He saved me out of the death row. Before I got saved, I was on death row. Bound for Hell. Bound for hell. You say, Brother Bill, I don't like the teaching of hell. I love it. I love it. Why do I love it? Because when I was in five years old in that Sunday school class and that woman did that flannel graph and she showed this cliff and this 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 valley and there's fire coming up and there was this place over here, looked like the celestial city, and she had these little characters go up to the edge. And, she's, and there was a little road over there with the bridge, Jesus Christ. And some of those people went on that little path. It was a narrow path. It was a straight path. It was a hard path. But they took that little path, Jesus Christ. And by faith, they got to go over to Celestial City. All the rest of them, the Broadway, the big highway, all thousands of little, they fell off into the fire. And I thought to myself, oh, my, I've sinned a lot. I've sinned a lot. I had two older brothers who were helping me along the way. Plus, I had an evil nature that wanted to sin, liked sin, loved sin. And I thought I sat there and fear came into my soul that if I didn't get saved and trust Jesus and go that narrow path, I would someday have to pay for my own sin. And paying for my own sin meant I was going to be cast into a place called the lake of fire and hell. And Jesus spoke more about that than he did heaven. 
Why? Because he knew he was going to come and die so that I wouldn't have to go to a place called hell. On the way home, on the corner of Bristol and Cassopolis Street in Elkhart, Indiana, I got in the back seat of the car. I lifted up on the edge of the seat. My mom was in the front, and I got by her ear, and I said, Mom, I need to be saved. Five-year-old kid, what's he know? I'll tell you what a five-year-old kid knows. He knows he's a sinner unable to save himself but good works because the Holy Spirit reveals it to him. Because except you become as a child, you're never going to make it. Oh, get sophisticated. Get all the sophistication you want, and you'll miss it. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and you'll find it. So when you get this great salvation, you receive it as a free gift. It's the only way you can. It'll humble you, and it will cause you a good old-fashioned dose of gratitude. Folks, we should be the most grateful people on the planet. I mean, I'm talking about God. I don't know anybody outside of much gospel baptism, but we folks right here, we ought to be just so grateful. We ought to have just that pouring out. We ought to be going around saying, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I don't deserve a thing. I got no rights. I got no expectations. I've crucified myself. I'm daily crucified. Anything I deserve is not what I really deserve. It's less than what I deserve. And whatever trials or testing God gives me, I know He's a good God and He's going to help me with them. Whatever pain comes my way is not nearly what I deserved. And then God's going to use that pain to help me and to grow me and to become more like His image. And I'm grateful, Father, that You care for me. And I'm grateful, Father, that You give me a test. And I'm grateful, Father, that I've had to struggle. I'm grateful, Father, for the so-called things in this life that, that people would call tragedies that have helped me grow closer to you. Whoa. We receive that. We get humbled. And when we, receive, when we receive Christ as a free gift, what right do we have of being judgmental of spirit? Folks, don't start going around judging a bunch of folks. People will come in and sometimes through the years I got all kinds of experiences of this. People will say, I came in church, nobody said a word to me. And so they get mad at the people, they get mad at God, and they get mad at or, or or it could be that or it could be the opposite of that. They said something to you. I get it both ways. I, I get folks who'll say, you know, I've been to church uh, ten times, nobody's ever invited me out to eat. I got a solution, but they never want to hear it. Quit waiting for somebody to invite you out to eat. Invite some folks out to eat, man. Go around here, look, look at some, look old some, some emaciated, skinny person, say, would you like to eat with me? It'll be hard to find. Man, I've been to a lot, when I was, uh, you know, going to school back and forth and all that, we, we would get in local churches, various local churches, and every church has a personality, and some churches are more warm, some are more cold, some are this, but I'll guarantee you, you can put me in any church in the United States, put me in any, any old backslidden church in the United States, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to brighten the spot that I'm put in. Put me in some old church that the preacher gets up and reads his sermons with the glasses over the end of his nose and he has a monotonal voice and I'm just going to say, hey man, glory to God as they shriek in fear. <laughs> Why? Because he's reading the everlasting word of God forever settled in heaven. <clears throat> I wish you'd have a little emotion with it. 
well, instead of getting judgmental and getting negative and getting complaining, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the guy and say, Brother, I got a blessing out of your sermon. He said, you did? <laughs> I haven't heard that in 500 years. And you know, the old man may get, he may get excited a little bit about God, may get excited about what he's doing a little bit, but brighten the spot where you're at. Be the light of the world. You know? Be grateful. Be humble. You got saved. Get outside of yourself. Crucify the old self. Listen, born-again believers, the most selfless people walking the planet. You know, we got a lot of things going for us. We should be the most joyful people walking the planet. We should be the most humble people walking the planet. We should be the most grateful people walking the planet. We should be the most light-giving, positive influence of people walking the planet. And you know how far away it is from you? A choice. Just a choice. You say, well, I don't have that personality. Well, slap yourself. <laughs> I just don't. Okay, I understand there's quiet people. I understand there's talkers. Brother, do I understand there's talkers. But I understand there's quiet folks. I'm not asking the quiet folk to go all the way over here and become blah, 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 blah. I am asking some of the blah, 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 to come over here and to be a little bit more quiet, however. I've done it myself. I've committed each kind of sin. My wife and I have visited people. I don't know what it is. I got caught up, turned on, excited, took over the whole conversation of the whole night. You know, the Holy Spirit, as on the way home, whispered to me and said, you should have shut up. Of course, my wife, I, I look at her from a soundboard and I go, Kathy, did I talk too much? Yes. Did I dominate tonight? Yes. I hate myself. I hate myself. I hate that. Because you know them people are never going to wipe me back over there again. They're going to say, good riddance, man, never ask him over again. We didn't get to say two words all night long. Right away, right away, you know, we got our faults. We got our faults. We got our ways. You know, I mean, I was asking people to be perfect, but by the grace of God, recognize it. I like the First Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, where it says, For who maketh thee to differ from another? The question is, now, hey, 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 who maketh you to differ from another? God. So be careful about being too hard on a person that's just different than you. You know, we like everybody to be just like us. Well, I know when I had Troy, I only had one kid probably just for the mercy of those other children I didn't have because I wasn't a very good father. Because I expected my kid to be like me. And Troy was like his mother. And ain't right. used to persecute him for that. Sometimes I'd, I'd, I'd say, boy, you know, I'm just not a good father. I'm just not a good father. The thing that saved me, maybe in the whole deal, is I'd look at him and say, I'm not a good father. Would you forgive me? And you know what? A kid will put up with all kinds of bad stuff as long as you ask him to forgive you. I, I, I wanted to be better. Who maketh thee to differ from another? 
And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now, if thou didst receive it, remember as a gift, why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it? Like you brag about it, as if you earned it. You say, well, I'm smart, Brother Bill. I studied hard. I know what I know. You wouldn't have done nothing had God not given you the ability to do that. If he'd not given you eyes to be able to read, what would you have read? Had he not given you a voice to sing, what would you have sung? Had he not given you ears to hear, what would you have heard? Had he not given you intelligence to, to retain information, what would you have retained? What have you got that you haven't received as a gift from God Almighty? The truth is we received everything from him. All that I am ever will be is credit to him. And so the crazy thing happens when we begin to judge each other harshly when we're recipients of everything and the mercy of God especially. We've received the mercy of God. Who, Romans 14, 4, Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holding up for God is able to make him stand. Beware when you speak about other people that you give them a break. In fact, the degree in which you judge them, God's going to turn that around and judge you with that same degree. Now, wait a minute. Whoa, hello. Right off the bat, Abdel, I'm going to be easy on you, man. Because when God looks at me and says, Bill, I want him to have mercy on me. How many here want mercy? You want mercy when God comes and looks at you? Or do you want him to look at you with a critical eye? Oh, I want mercy. I want grace. I want kindness. I'm not talking about compromise. I'm not talking about calling right wrong and wrong right. No, 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 no. No. I'm talking about people who point themselves as self-appointed judges in God's house. General Oglethorpe, years ago, knew John Wesley. That's how long ago it was. General Oglethorpe once said to John Wesley, I, I never forgive and I never forget. Well, I've heard people say that. To which Wesley responded, Then, sir... I hope you never sin. I hope you never sin. So what is the judgment for this type of sin found in James 2, uh, verse, chapter 2, verse 13? He that judgeth without mercy receiveth no mercy, right? Well, no mercy, no mercy. You judge without mercy, you get no mercy. You will be judged without mercy. I think of the, I think of the uh, parable in uh, the 18th chapter of Matthew where Jesus uh, talks about this guy owed uh, 10,000 talents, um, if I remember right, 10,000 talents, and he goes to his, the guy who owns 10,000 10, talents is like $15 million, some crazy figure. <laughs> it's a lot of money. Unable to pay. If you told me I had to pay a million dollars, you might as well say a billion. It won't make any difference. In fact, if you tell me I'm going to pay you, well, nevertheless. 
This guy has ten, this guy has debt he cannot pay. He goes to the guy. He says, "Okay, I want you to take his wife and sell her. Take his children and sell them." The guy gets on his face before the guy. Please have mercy on I me. Mean, don't sell my wife. Don't sell my children. Don't sell. Please. The Bible says in Jesus the parable here. He says, uh, "The guy owes money to has compassion on him. Feels bad for him." He says, "I'll tell you what. I'm gonna forgive you the whole thing." What? I'm going to forgive you the whole thing. Forgive you the whole thing. Didn't Jesus do that when you got born from above? But the old boy goes out. He becomes an independent fundamental Baptist. Gets legalistic. And he finds the guy that owes him just 20 bucks. I think it equals about 20 bucks. And the guy says, uh, he, the guy goes to this guy who owes him 20 bucks. He says, I want you that 20 bucks. I want that 20 bucks. Now, you owe me that 20 bucks. You said you pay me that 20 bucks. You pay me that 20 bucks. You owe it. You gave your word to it. I got a piece of signed paper. You won't give me the 20 bucks. The guy says, I don't have it. And, and the Bible says in the parable, Jesus taught him, he says, that guy takes that guy and he grabs him by the neck. He says, you pay me that 20 bucks. I'm going to throw you in prison until you pay it. What? The people around there see that. They see the injustice of it all because they just heard the good news. This guy got forgiven a million, let's just say a million dollars, some unpayable debt, and he got saved, and he got, he got forgiven all that, and he goes over here and he takes a brother that owes him 20 bucks. Yes, the brother sinned against him. Yes, the brother owed him the 20 bucks. Yes, the brother should have paid him the 20. And the Lord, who had had forgiven that huge debt, had him called up back in front of him. He says, whoa, whoa. Verse 33, Matthew 18, he says, Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? There it is. And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors. So he should pay all that was due him. He became an enforcer of the letter of the law. So likewise, and this is the application of it by Jesus, Matthew 18, 35. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Woo! Now, folks, if you got anybody tonight that is coming up in your mind, as I'm speaking these words, you've got somebody, but you don't know. Here's what people come to me when I bring this up to them. They say, but you don't know what they did to me. Look, I don't know. I don't know. And really, personally, please don't tell me. I don't want to fight bitterness myself. Some of you people have been done injustices that would raise the hair on my head. In fact, it's already up. And Brother Moon cannot preach that way. I'm sorry. But, you know, some of you have been done dirty. Dirty by the definition of even the world. And you, you can look and justify in your mind, but you don't know how dirty that person's been to me. Yes, I don't know. But I do know one thing, how dirty I've been to God. 
And I do know that He's forgiven me all my sins. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. I do know that. And I do know He's given me mercy. And I do know He's given me a place in heaven. And I do know He's put my, land, my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. And I do know He's even building the place for me. And he wants, I do know He wants me to be His neighbor. I do know that He gives me eternal life by His mercy and grace. Now, folks, that don't compare to anything done dirty to you here. I read it again, James 2.13. He says, For he shall have judgment without mercy that has showed no mercy. And mercy rejoiceth against judgment. All I can say is beware, be careful, be cautious. Be as merciful. In fact, mercy ought to be a characteristic of a fundamental, independent, Bible-believing church that loves Jesus. Mercy ought to be our characteristic. I, always, I say this, if you're going to err, if you're going to make an error, Err on the side of mercy. Why? Because God delights in mercy. He delights in it. Father, help us tonight to be able to understand the teaching of this verse. <clears throat> Father, have mercy upon us as we have mercy upon those around us. You said over and over, the letter killeth, the spirit maketh alive. We're not going to compromise the truth. We don't want to call good bad and bad good. No, 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 no. We're not talking about that. But we're talking about when people repent and people turn away and people are sorry, then we forgive them. We, we, like in the parable. The guy said, would you forgive me the $20? He should have said, yes, I forgive you. As I've been forgiven, I forgive you. But he didn't. Father, have mercy on our soul. Help us to be, to do that which delights you. Help us to do that which delights you. And make you happy. And be your children. And as children of the kingdom, we would act like children of the kingdom and have mercy like children of the kingdom. Interpret this, explain this like I cannot. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm just a
Took my place.